Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Tolkien. Today is Thursday, April 7th, and we are going to be discussing Chapter 3 of Book 2 of the Two Towers, The Black Gate is Closed. Now, if you're familiar with the podcast, you know we will start off with Today in Middle-Earth and Elvish Word of the Day, then swing over and talk about last week's readings briefly, then spend most of the episode talking about this week's readings, closing it up with our favorite moments from the text and from the last week of our lives. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. All right, Katie, you want to get us started with Elvish Word of the Day and Today in Middle-Earth? Yes, so today in Middle-earth, April 7th, um, actually we're going to rewind just one day because April 6th is actually Samwise Gamgee's birthday. Hey, Aww, how old is he? April birthday, like me. <laughs> yeah, uh, Samwise Gamgee was born in 2983, so there you go. That's the future. <laughs> That's not right at all. <laughs> no, no, sir, no, sir. Um, and also on that day in our current uh, events section uh, that we're reading in the year 3019 uh, there was a meeting between Celeborn and Thranduil um, and then today actually on April 7th um, again not a whole lot is happening things are kind of um, in this uh, strange after giant war <laughs> um, lull uh, people are healing and uh, a post regnum as it were <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No, sorry. Post bellum. So, post regnum means after the rain. Anyway. <laughs> there we go. Um, and now moving on to Elvish word of the day. Uh, today I chose, um, we actually get a twofer. Uh, you're going to get two different words for uh, Nazgul or Ringwraith, which Nazgul, of course, being uh, the, the black speech. Um, the Quenya word for Nazgul is and once again pardon my pronunciation i will do my best it is um uliari uliari yes uliari that's, that <laughs> is that right that's pretty close that's pretty close okay uh yeah that's the quenya word for nazgul and then the cinderin word for nazgul and once again i'm going to try my best uh, i've looked up pronunciation as best that i can uh it is um, Ulor. Ulor. Kind of, yeah. Kind of, okay. <laughs> All so right. there we are. There you have it. All right. Well, Chase, what did we cover last week? Why is this getting harder to remember? And I like, just edited this episode not too long ago. Oh, wait. Yes, that's right. They, meaning two hobbits and a thing, uh, <laughs> crossed the marshes period oh they did Hold see back. a ring wraith a few times and All then they, right. they kind of got to the side like why did the hobbit and the two and the two hobbits and the thing cross, cross the, the marsh? dead marshes answer to to realize that the black gates are closed i don't Aww. they're closed on sundays it's a bad day <laughs> black gates are closed on sundays you'll have to come back later mm-hmm <laughs> All right. Well, that gets us right to this chapter. Chapter three, the black gate is closed. Um, this chapter immediately starts off kind of boldface text, not literally, but kind of no. symbolically just saying, oh, they're to mortar already. Yep. 
Yeah, it's, it, it says, like, so, like, by the end of that day, like, that day had not finished, and they were through the marshes, had crossed that bit of land uh, after it, and there they were. They're basically right there, staring at the Black Gate. Um, and they see, uh, they see the teeth of Mordor. Teeth of Mordor. Yeah, I liked that. Yeah, uh, which is, is pretty great. There are these two huge watchtowers that in that had been built many many years ago by the men of gondor um two towers again again yeah yep. two towers again two towers remember when 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 we first started the two towers i had said that and of course you know there are several pairs of towers that uh that that, that it could be ma- made reference to but of course you know they're the two towers is Morgul <laughs> Burger Dur. The twos, the twos towers. Burger Dur. Sorry, I got. I, that was me combining Dolgoldor and Burder Burder. Ermagerd Burder. Okay, so hard to say. So before we get off the path already. Um, but anyway, yeah. The, uh, so these, of course, these watchtowers that had been originally built by the the men of Gondor um, after the fall of Sauron, uh, when Sauron then came back to power. Uh, he occupied them, of course, and, and and decided to use them for his own purposes. And so this like kind of open pass, which is really the only way to get to Mordor, Sauron has erected a giant wall through it. There's only a single kind of iron gate in the middle of this wall and myriad kind of holes that, that spies can watch out. And um, Yeah, that whole, that whole section describing just the geography of this place was so great i think it was a page and a half in my copy Mm -hmm. and i noted that he spent a page and a half describing it was one of those moments where i just looked at this go (sighs) talking you're too good (laughs) like it it made it made me it made me want to come home and write kind of thing like Mm -hmm. it was just like it kind of inspired me it's such a good bit of descriptive work well and he even says that like they're um Kind of caves, artificial caves, kind of bored out that are serve as barracks for orcs, and so they're kind of ready to swarm at any time. And right, it makes you makes you think of like an ant colony. Yes, and so <laughs> they hear like trumpets blazing, and they're afraid. They're, there's kind of this perpetual fear that they've been discovered. So this is a little scary. And Sam is like, "Okay, here we are. Here's the gate, and it looks to me as if that's about as far as we're ever going to get." My word, but the gaffer would have a thing or two to say if he saw me now. Often said I'd come to a bad end if I didn't watch my step, he did. But now I don't suppose I'll ever see the old fellow again. He'll miss his chance of, I told you so, Sam. More's the pity. He could go on telling me as long as he got breath. If only I could see his old face again. But I'd have to get a wash first or he wouldn't know me. That entire paragraph is just Sam speaking to nobody in particular. Sam, it's not open night mic at open mic night at the... <laughs> Black gate man <laughs> no but this is this is this is again this one this great sam moment where like you can just hear the the sarcasm and frustration because again yeah he's like well we're here and uh, i think this is about as close as we're gonna get he, he's doing it so... like frodo is like staring at like dirt just at the ground <laughs> and having like this real deep moment and, and sam like, just goes off and golem is like like digging up dirt and rocks and put them in its face like what's going on this is a weird book now. <laughs> yeah, I just but that we get more graphisms and Sam's just kind of going off. So anyway, <laughs> Gollum is like, well, 
like I said, we, we, can't, we, can't, we, can't, we can't enter this way. And and then of course, which which leads to another Sam Samism that kind of happens. And Sam is like basically, well, then why did we bother coming here in the first place if we couldn't if we couldn't go inside? His 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 specific words are, "What the plague did you bring us here for?" <laughs> which that's, was such a great line. That's the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that from now on. What the plague? What the plague? You know, that's a good way of me getting around my dirty mouth in this podcast. It's just going, <laughs> "What the plague? What the plague?" <laughs> um. Yeah, and and you know, and, and Gollum kind of retorts to that. Well, I did what I said I would do. I brought you to the gate, but well, he even notes that it's like, I, well, you can't get in this way, but there are other ways. And mm-hmm. they're like, well, why didn't you say? This? Well, you master said bring master it to the black said, gate, bring, yeah. so I brought you to the black gate. Literal little yeah plague. So and, and it's and it's and it's now that Frodo kind of says, no, I need I need to get in there at all costs. He, he at wants the ground, to go to there. At nothing particular. Uh, yeah. So oh, don't, no. So Gollum is like, well, there is another way. And Frodo's like, why didn't you tell me? And Gollum's like, well, you didn't ask. Uh, so they they spend some time discussing this, and Frodo, um, you know, he's pondering. And at this moment, like this kind of troop of men marches off in the distance, and uh, this is when they retreat behind their cloaks, and the elven magic kind of well, prevents them from being seen. Right, well, right, the, right. The, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say right before this, though, Smeagol is kind of having he's 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 wor- worrying quite a bit because, again, you know, Frodo is just said, I need to get in there at all costs. And Gollum is begging him not to. He's saying, you know, don't go in. Don't give the precious to the Dark Lord, because that's what will happen if you go in there. He says uh, he will eat it. He will eat us all. And then he says, maybe give it back to Smeagol. Give it to Smeagol. And then you go somewhere nice. So this is. You know, clearly, again, Gollum, like, res- resorting to or re- reverting back to this, like, s- sneaky kind of I, trying to get uh, to get his precious back. I specifically really liked the bit about he will eat it. He will eat us all. Mm-hmm. He will, like, eat the world kind of thing. Yeah. I was like, That's a creepy imagery, man. Yeah. So as the um the kind of men are marching by, they realize that the trumpets were not actually a sign that they had been seen, but rather it was kind of a welcome to yeah this army. It was it it was that these men were the, these men were marching to Mordor, but not marching on it. Yes, and Frodo kind of turns to Gollum and says. I will trust you once more. Indeed, it seems that I must do so and that it is my fate to receive help from you where I least looked for it and your fate to help me whom you long pursued with evil purpose. So far you have deserved well of me and have kept your promise truly. Truly, I say and mean, he added with a, glim- with a glance at Sam, for twice now we have been in your power and you've done no harm to us. Not have you tried to take from me what you once sought. May the third time prove the best. But I warn you, Smeagol, you are in danger. Yeah. And the danger that he's referring to, and I hope you actually paid specific attention to this next passage and the passage wherein Frodo had kind of has warns him the danger that he's in that Gollum swore uh, by his precious to guide the hobbits safely and not to betray them. Yes. And. Um, I really hope you took note of this passage because Frodo goes on to talk about the ring corrupting Gollum and that basically says flat out that says Frodo says, you know, if if I were to use the ring, I could control you. 
um, and even uh, it could lead you to uh, the words he says are leap from a precipice or to cast yourself into the fire. Um, and this is a very different tone that we've heard from Frodo before. And Sam, of course, is kind of... On, I, I, I feel like Sam is almost a stand-in for the reader here because Sam uh, is very surprised by Frodo because he's always seen him as this kind and wise figure, but now is seeing him as some someone who's feared because Gollum is now cowering before him and also even threatening to Gollum. Well, and the um, text goes so far as to say that Sam also held the firmly incompatible belief that Mr. Frodo was the wisest person in the world, with possible exception of old Mr. Bilbo and of Gandalf. Mm-hmm. So it's starting to... It's really interesting, kind of this page, these two passages side by side, because we get from Frodo... I mean, we as the reader know that Gollum is planning something. Mm-hmm. And so right here we have this this big bit of kind of foreshadowing and this... Uh, presented in, a, in such a way as it invokes dramatic irony because we know something the characters do not. And then immediately after that, we get this kind of e- examination of Sam's cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I feel is a little more psychological than we've gotten in this book so far. And that's the word that I was wondering if someone would 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 use because that's kind of the way that I view this entire book, the, the entirety of book four is much more psychological than we've seen before. And yeah, we're getting little glimpses of that just even this, this far in, into the book, just three chapters in. Um, because a whole lot has not happened if you look at it like an event, event by event, mm-hmm. but a lot of like character stuff and like this like, there's a lot of inner turmoil going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and like specifically between like, uh, I mean, Frodo's not been speaking very much for like two chapters mm-hmm. now, and Sam kind of being aware of this, but also trying to be Sam, you know, like trying to bring levity to a lot of situations, but in like, but almost feels like, as you were noting previously, almost a little forced at times. Like when they just kind of like come out there, I, I guess he expected like a response from Frodo to, you know, tell him to, you know, you need to either you need to stop talking or react to it in a different way. And that didn't happen. So he just kept going. So, Well, and so and this is going to be what I'm about to say is going to be minorly spoilery uh, about the identity of the narrator. So if you do not know and you do not want to know, then skip the next bit. But at this point. <laughs> The narrator is Frodo. I mean, that's what Lord of the Rings is. It is it is Frodo's equivalent of The Hobbit. Frodo is writing the book of his own experiences. So what you were saying, Katie, about how this book is more psychological, it's because at this moment in the story, this is when Frodo is really starting to be like torn and affected by the power of the ring. Exactly. Can I come back in you're, now? <laughs> you're good. You're good, Chase. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, that's the nice part about us re- recording remotely is that Chase can just take his headphones out and not hear me spoil the book. Yeah. I just saw a bunch of nodding heads for a minute there and I was like, I don't know what's going on. Hey, get, hey Chase, guess what? Soylent Limbus is elves. <laughs> that was, that was, no, yeah. I, I will not allow, I will not stand for this. Anyway, uh, these dudes come by. So anyway, yeah, well, they, uh, Gollum takes them on on this road that's going south. Um, 
saying, you know, he, because he he's basically convinced them at this point, okay, well, we can't go in this way. Um, and he, he, he takes them south and he says that this, you know, this particular road goes on for a hundred leagues. Well, maybe we shouldn't go that way. So Frodo asks, okay, well, is there a third way? Well, specifically close to the big water with all mm-hmm. the good fishies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, he says that the, the big water, but the, but the yellow, the yellow face is there and... <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yeah, Gollum says, yeah, there is a third path uh, around the back of 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 this whole kingdom. And if we if you go to the left, go around the back of it and past it's this fortress that was built a very, very long time ago. And he called uh, by what he calls tall men with shining eyes. And he re- makes reference to the silver crown of their king and his white tree and the yes, tower I, of the moon. I loved that moment so much because mm-hmm. here we get. I mean, one, more of this knowledge or uh, more of this evidence that Gollum is very smart and old and retains a lot of his past self. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, he's, um, he's heard these stories many, many years ago. But also just like kind of, you know, in terms of world building, like it's very nice to hear hear these things that we read, you know, basically a year ago at this point in the Galabath. Uh. That's and right. When you hear Tower of the Moon, that should be Oh, yeah, that, vague... ra- that whole thing rang a bell. <laughs> yep. I don't remember any of the names, but I totally remember those things. Well, Frodo helps you out, though, because, of course, Frodo reminds you. He realizes that what he's talking about is the fortress of Isildur, who was Elendil's son. And Isildur, of course, having uh, cut the ring from Sauron's hand way back when, uh, took the ring from him. And he's referencing the Tower of the Moon being Minas Ethel. And then, and then, and then Gandalf is like, oh yeah, the Dark Lord only has four fingers on one hand. What's up with that? Wait, Gandalf? I think I just that? said Gandalf yeah. when I meant Gollum. You said Gandalf, yeah. yeah. I just ruined my mic drop moment, but like, you I totally loved that did. so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gollum is like, oh yeah, the Sauron is missing a finger. Because I imagine, because Gollum has seen Sauron, right? Because he was held captive in in Baradur, which is referenced again here. Mm-hmm. He's seen Sauron, right? I mean, I is, feel that's like that's really... the direct implication. Yeah. yeah. Even in passing, he's probably seen. But Sauron does... Okay, I'm still... F... I'm still a little hazy on the form of Sauron right now because he's like the great eye, but it sounds like he's kind of had... A, like he has... The Palantir thing messed me up. He, is the Palantir... Okay. That That's not a physical manifestation. No, right. So he, ha- he, he wouldn't have, right? Because hmm. Sauron is not exactly with form right now. It's kind of... He's kind of uh, a, a great eye. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the great eye <laughs> thing is the act... Okay. All right. All right. Um, but anyway, Gollum also says uh, there's an, uh, another exchange between Gollum and Frodo that I really liked. At this, they're talking about Minas Ethel, and Gollum says that, that the Dark Lord hates it. And I really liked Frodo's response: "What does he not hate?" <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, you know, having having uh, read our our fair share about these dark lords, each of them, you know, hating the elves or hating the moon or I hate the pain on my head, hating the stars, hating the pain on your head or the pain in your hand or my hand hurts or hating, um, hating Yavanna. Um, (laughs) yeah. So, um, specifically just that passage to give us a little more ideas. That would be Minas Ethel that a sealder, the son of Elendil built said Frodo. It was a sealder who cut off the finger of the enemy. 
Yes, he only has four on a black hand, but they are enough, said Gollum, shuddering. And he hated Isildur's city. So I guess I interpreted that as as like Gollum having some physical interaction with the black hand. But I assume that that could also be a reference to uh, like a pictographic representation similar to the uh, white hand of Sar- uh, Saruman. Yeah, yeah. Gollum would have heard so, heard this story like anyone else had. Yeah, so I guess for me that that seemed like that Gollum had some firsthand experience, but I guess that's not true. And I'm sure that there is a canonical answer to this that I am just not. Uh, I'm, I'm not, and I'm not asking a good question. Basically, this is a, this is a bad track to go down, kind of thing. But the bigger any, fish to fry, yeah. In the big in the big sea. Anyway, uh, as you know, as continuing on with 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 this tower, um, Sam wonders whether it's 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 occupied currently and well yeah it's swarming with orcs basically yeah um, which is a big point of like when when like like when golem's talking about this stuff he's like yeah of course it's dangerous yeah of course there's orcs not as many orcs we go that way mm-hmm. exactly he basically says that uh it's dangerous, but Sauron is not expecting an attack from this angle, so it's safer for us. Once again, we're back to Sauron has his has his, has his vision someplace further, mm-hmm. for the most part. Exactly. Um, also, Gollum makes uh, mention of these things called silent watchers, which he says are worse than orcs. Um, but yeah, this is, again, another. So Minas Ethel, uh, you know, built, built by the men of Gondor many, many years ago. Train. Yeah. Hold uh, on. It was. They must be crossing Dixie Street right now. Yeah. Because that's the you know, man. Yeah. The first time, the first night I slept in that apartment, I heard a train go by. It, like woke me up. It was terrible. I was coming through the, the like wall. I thought <laughs> it was gonna eat me. All right, back to this. Okay. Okay. Now I didn't fully. Am I supposed to know anything about these silent watchers? Because they were. I didn't. I. I, I was drawing a massive blank. You'll no. You haven't heard of them yet. You'll hear Good. a little bit okay. more about them. Um, but for yeah, yeah, for for now, Gollum just calls them Silent Watchers. Yeah, you'll hear more about the Silent Watchers later. Um, but again, I wanted to make note though that Minas Ethel that we've talked talked about, um, built many many years ago by the men of Gondor, and of course used as a watchtower for them. Sauron has now corrupted this into his his own design. Um, just like we had talked about the the teeth of Mordor earlier having yes. been this, you know, ancient Gondorian kind of uh, architecture that once again Sauron has corrupted. Okay, part of me really wants to talk about like reappropri- reappropriation of architecture because that's what I wrote my undergraduate thesis <laughs> on was reappropriation of uh, <laughs> Roman architecture for Christian purposes, but I'm not going to delve into that. I could have I my mean, own podcast series about that. Anyway, what I do want to say is that at this moment... That is basically what's happening. Yes. But I do want to say that at this moment, uh, Frodo asks a very, very good question, which is just, Gollum, how do you know this? Mm-hmm. And Gollum's reply is, oh, well, this is how I escaped from Mordor. And Frodo's like, wait a minute. I was under the impression, as was Aragorn, that you were released from Mordor to hunt down the ring on behalf of the Dark Lord. And that's when he found you in the dead marshes. And, and Gollum doesn't react well to the name Aragorn. <laughs> no, he has kind of a "Don't say me those words" moment. Um, and yeah, does 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 not like hearing reference to Aragorn at all. Um, 
yeah, definitely bristles at that. And Frodo again asks him, is, is it guarded? And Gollum's like, probably, yes, everything's guarded here, but it's either do this or turn around and not. Again, you know. every way is going to be hard. It's mm-hmm. just varying levels of difficulty. Do you want yeah. to make sure go the path that's 100% you'll get caught or the way it's maybe like 25% chance? And then we get more kind of slipperiness from, from Gollum because it says that he refuses to tell the name of this path. Uh, yeah. At, at this point, the narrator says, had had the path, had had Gollum said the path, the name of the path, I just said path like 30 times. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> had had Gollum What's said this, he, you know, it would have been Kirith Ungol. Um, mm-hmm. And that would not have meant really anything to Frodo. But if Aragorn or Gandalf were there, they would have put like a stern foot down against it. Um, but what I yeah. really found interesting about this moment is this is the first time in this book that we have had reference to uh, goings on of like explicit reference to goings on of the rest of the party, which says that Gandalf was currently preoccupied in the ruins of Orthanc dealing with the traitor uh, Saruman. And at this mm-hmm. moment, the, or just, just after this moment, like the Palantir will come crashing down. So uh, I believe previously in the last episode, I implied that we were synced up with a point later than this because of the flight of the Nazgul. But I believe that this passage uh, readjusts that timeline a little bit. So, uh, a correction if any of you uh, yes yeah. oh yeah 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 I see what you're talking about now yeah 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 yeah, yeah. oh I don't remember what moment that, that whole law school but... thing with us kind of got confusing um, but I think we were overthinking it Um. but at any rate though this so this this moment Um. yeah you know like you said if Gandalf or, or Aragorn had been there they would immediately have known what that name meant Um. and Frodo has kind of a what would Gandalf do moment um, and kind of sits and thinks for a while, trying, trying to, because of course Frodo is not privy to this information at all. That, no. uh, and 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 Gandalf again. We're we're told, you know, Gandalf has more pressing things at, at at hand, so he is not even able to think of Frodo and and Sam at this moment. Um, but uh, I I kind of want to I kind of want to tell you what Kirith Ungol means, and I kind of don't want to tell you what no, Kirith Ungol means. I don't know. There's okay, so I'm going, yeah. So at the end of this bit, where it's just talking about like if Gandalf had been able to guide them, you know, if, 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 but then it says that ultimately this is Frodo's fate. Uh, here begins the quote It was an evil fate, but he had taken it on himself in his own sitting room in the far off spring of another year, so remote now that it was like a chapter in a story of the world's youth when the trees of silver and gold were still in bloom. This was an evil choice. What should he choose? And if both led to terror and death, what good lay in choice? Um, Chase, this is another spoiler, yes. so remove it. <laughs> Major foreshadowing. We know what happened. Some trees of silver and gold. Yep. Bam. Yep. That's a pretty great moment. So you're good, Chase. This is overdone because I'm gonna have to edit this later. <laughs> it's not. I mean, it. It's not like huge spoilers any or anything. Oh, they're no. just they're just moments here and there that are really great bits of foreshadowing yes, yes, that are yes. that are woven in. Um, I'll know it when I get to it. Uh, I'll go back. I'll think. Oh yeah, that was foreshadowing. But but I do want to I do want to just see if I can. So I I want us to look once again at the name of this pass, Kirith Ungal. 
Look at the word ungal. An ugly word. Yeah, it it is an ugly word. But have we ever heard? Oh, oh, okay. I do know this then. There was a character mm-hmm. called Ungulion yes. who ate some Silmarils. Very good. So Ungal actually is uh, the Cinderin, um spider and Kirith being cleft or passed. So this Kirith Ungal is spider's cleft, basically. Uh-huh. Uh, also, she, but, she did not eat the Silmarillions. She wanted to. She, yeah, she, she wanted to eat the Silmarils. No, she ate the, the trees. Not some more. No, she ate the trees. She ate the trees. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but, but didn't... But didn't huh. What, but what but didn't Morgoth like oh yeah his like hand that's right he 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 burned his hand yeah he burned his hand that's right <laughs> pop quiz chase what were the names of the trees uh, no tell Purion and Laurelin <laughs> I I didn't remember that at all which one was which thought Purion was probably the silver one right or the mm-hmm. yeah the silver yep. one yeah and the other one was Laurelin was gold yeah um. <laughs> I'm a terrible student. <laughs> I remember why they're important. I You're, feel like that's, that's the important part. That's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing to remember is why they're important. But anyway, hey, hey, uh, Chase, of course. Who created the trees? I never remember this one. I never remember this one. You're going to say the name and I'm going to kick myself because I should remember that. It's one of the Maya. No. Oh, never mind then. One of the Valar. Valar, right. I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> we need to just move on. I'm wanting to move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, so the hobbits, of course, are suspicious because the Gollum is just this entire time sounding shady, um, but they have to to accept Gollum's Gollum's uh, choice because, again, they have no no other way, and he's clearly onto something. Uh, yeah, it does have. At least some some information. And some he made way a to swear on the precious. He did precious. swear. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's at this moment that uh, these 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 little black specks appear in the sky, and uh, swoop out, and then or there's there's one at first, and then two more, and then another. So it's like um, four. It ends up being like four. Yep, it's four altogether, and uh, they're kind of swooping out, and they they see it's they're very far away, so they're small, but they appear as though they're they're large. From you know, it's that kind of thing that you can see in the distance. It looks tiny, but you know, it's it's very large, and it, and of course they know it's the Nazgul, and they know that Sauron is watching them. And so Frodo and Sam have this discussion, can the Nazgul see? Because we knew that it was really just their horses that could see. So can these beasts see them? Uh, and right. not to get like too postmodern here, but I really loved that this was basically an invocation of the uh, Foucauldian concept of the Panopticon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Granted, I think the concept was popularized ba- after the publication of these novels, but it is that concept because it is the narrator says, we don't know if we're being watched, but we know he has the capability. And again, what is this kind of all-seeing eye in the in this tower? Right, a security camera. Yeah, it's a security camera. <laughs> but anyway, uh, at this moment, they also hear singing and shouting that's seeming to come closer to them, and they are like spooked by this and uh, are kind of still kind of hiding. Um, And 
Frodo and Sam are they, like they want to draw their knives, but they know that they're that they can't escape. Um, you can't run. You can't and they run. They can't win the fight, so you just got to just sit there and, and grovel. Gollum. Well, Gollum goes to investigate, kind of peers over the edge, and sees that there are other men who are coming into Mordor as well, and um. They're, these are different men than what he's seen before. And They're says, pirates? <laughs> uh, I don't the, think so. It came to mind for some reason. <laughs> I, I don't know why. But they have long dark hair and they have gold rings in their ears. and they Black eyes. They wear, yeah, dark eyes and they wear red paint and cloaks and they have red flags and great shields with like. Hey, Katie, 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 Katie. Do they have oliphants? I don't know what an oliphant is. Well, I'm going <laughs> to recite this an poem off from memory. <laughs> and that's, yeah, so Sam, I, I, of course, love, you know, Sam puts his hands behind his back as he does when he reads the poetry uh, or, or res- speaks the poetry, rather, and uh, tells proceeds to tell Gollum what, what an oliphant is, basically, from this story. And it's this kind of really nice uh, and, and light moment, and Frodo even giggles a bit. Um but basically, these men are uh, have been in 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 Hobbit lore, um, which tells of old old stuff long ago. Uh, they were referred to as swertings, and they ride oliphants. Um, and it's this kind of really nice light moment uh, that is a huge contrast, of course, to the uh, pretty pretty horrible dire situation it was out of nowhere and it made me go whoa 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 sam what are you doing what are you doing you can count on sam to to recite a poem at a moment like this uh well and then of course he's like i wish we had a a thousand oliphants led by like gandalf at the front like and why oh yeah yeah, yeah, Wait, yeah. With a yeah, white yeah, one. Yeah. It's like, oh, you, if you only knew. Um, I don't know if this is a direct connection or not, or indirect connection. Um, but in the, um, what was what was the Hobbit name for the the folk? Swartungs? Swartings. Swartings. Um, mm-hmm. It just sounds to me like uh, the term uh, Valsungs. Which is from the uh, the Ring Cycle by Wagner. It's a series of, it's a family of characters, the the Volsungs. Um, mm-hmm. Probably just linguistic similarity to like the root that Tolkien chose. Chose, but also the Ring Cycle is about a magical ring that dictates the fate of mm-hmm. everything. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, as we, as we know, there. There, there is some uh, in- inspiration there, and I haven't actually look, ever uh, looked up that particular reference, but that would be interesting to look into. Um, but yeah, basically, they're going to sleep through the daylight as they usually do with Gollum, and continue on in in, in the night hours on this this high path pass with a stair and a winding tunnel uh, that Gollum has told us about. Yeah, and then that's the end of the chapter. So. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, and, and th- these we we talked about uh, these these towers, the the teeth of Mordor, and then the the Tower of the Moon or the Moon Tower, as as Gollum calls it. Um, and uh, I I want to again point out that these were, 
you know, old, uh, remnants of, of things built by the Gondorians, of course, used for, uh, like communication purposes. And Sauron has turned them to his, to his own purposes. So this is another, this and the, also these men marching in, uh, to Mordor now are another kind of tangible, uh, manifestation of evil turning things things are not inherently evil or inherently good but they can be made uh, based on their use to either way so Sauron has taken these things that were good or 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 with these men who knows had the potential to be good and has turned turned them into something evil um corruption happens and if we recall back to the Silmarillion not all of the men were fighting you know, with the elves or exactly. on, on, on the side of the elves. I definitely some, remember that. I some were fighting. That. Yeah. Some were fighting for the forces of darkness. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's still very true. Um, yeah. And we also in this chapter are, um, of course, given a, uh, a very familiar and classic trope of, um, you know, where we were so close to our destination but um, we're going to end up taking the long and difficult way around. Which is basically what Frodo and Sam are, are having to do now, right? They, I'd like, we start the chapter with, oh, here we are, we're at yep. Mordor, but uh, this is as close as we're going to get, can't, can't go in. Well, uh, what we're going to have to do is go a very dangerous uh, way that we don't even know if, if it's guarded now. So have to have to do things the hard way, guys. Yep. Uh, and with that, I think it's time to talk about our favorites. I mean, it's not going to be too bad. I mean, the next chapter says it has herbs and rabbits. So, I mean. <laughs> yes. I don't really have any specific moment that I want to isolate as my favorite that I haven't already like talked about in our discussion. But what I really loved about this chapter is how like meta narrative it starts to become. Mm-hmm. You know, what we were talking about with, like with the psychological nature of it, kind of but also the, the kind of two moments of foreshadowing and the reference to the two trees. I, I don't know. I just like really liked that for me, this is a chapter and I'm sorry, Chase, but this is a chapter that really rewards rereading. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Based upon how and I feel like this is, it. yeah. And I feel like this is really like the first time in the text that we've gotten to something that, that gotten to a bit that, that is this contingent upon that you know like it it, it's very explicitly designed this chapter is to reward a second reading um i think if if i had to pick one favorite thing uh from this chapter it was something from that very beginning description as they're kind of looking straight up at, at to the black gate um and the the whole talk of, of like the, the the hundred caves they were they were compared to maggot holes and that's where the orcs kind of lurked and then yeah it, they it, they were called like black ants uh, it said ready at a signal to issue forth like black ants going to war and I think I I, I just love that I think it's so on point. Oh sorry I zoned out there for a second. Um, <laughs> That was my favorite part too. Really? Yes. Uh, um, 
that description of the geography was excellent. It's very different how like the geography stuff in the Silmarillion did not did not fire me up, <laughs> but it has in this book. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't much of that stuff in the Hobbit, but I remember the Hobbit being such a breezy read. So see, this being such a more expansive, and uh, I think uh, everything has a lot of higher stakes, <laughs> and and you have that from the very beginning. It's just such a more a a, a grand story in all in every aspect. Yeah. So I yeah I can I can see that. But yeah, no, there's there's su- such great bits in that part about like the plumes of smoke and stuff. It's really great. Hmm. This is not a uh, a media reference. Well, it is a media reference, but it's not like a suggestion of consumption. It's just a little one-off. But in my office, we actually have a conference room named the Branting Pony. That's wonderful. <laughs> yes. I was reminded of the marsh in there for a second. Oh, that weird scene where they're... I want to be Glorfindel. That weird scene. It's the best <laughs> part of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know that I have anything. It's been kind of a one-track mind for me this past week. Um, French fries. I love French fries. I, That's I my favorite thing. I have a thing, so. I, <laughs> yeah. Just going to say whatever you ha- Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. French fries are pretty awesome. I had some good French fries this weekend, too. But um, I have a really random thing because it just popped up out of nowhere. Not exactly something I expected. It's kind of like a weird thing that came up, and I just been showing this to people um but there's a game coming out it's a video game coming out in in uh, may that i'm looking forward to called overwatch it's like a multiplayer game and you're just there's a lot of crazy well thought out characters but the people making it are making these little shorts these little short films that are kind of be rolling up to the release and the re the first one has come out and it's called just look up overwatch and recall and it's adorable but it's like, it's like a Pixar short, but it's kind of like playing on different emotions. But it's very endearing, and it's just a very—it's not—it's just a very nice, nice world. It focuses on the scientist who's a gorilla, and he's really trying to get the band back together, mm-hmm. which is this Overwatch group. And he's a scientist, and it's great. It's it 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 almost it almost had me teared up, tearing up. I came really close. Hmm. <sighs> I don't know why I recommend that. I just, just, just people should look that up. It's just, it, it's, it's very sweet. I don't know that I have any uh, kind of recommendation either this week. I had another boring week, and also uh, my back hurts a lot. So oh. uh, I, I don't recommend pulling muscles in your back. <laughs> no. It's not fun. I'm sorry. I did that in my leg this that's past an, week. That's an anti-recommendation from me. <laughs> I did that in my leg this past week. So I've been walking around with a limp and people have asked me weird You guys, questions. I kid you not, I've been so excited at my new job that I've been waking up at like 4 a.m. every day. Like unable to sleep like, <laughs> you know, kid going to summer camp excited levels. Uh, nice. Yeah. So I guess I'm excited about that. But that's not really something that I can share with other people. And I feel like it's like kind of rude to be like my job is so great because a lot of people don't like their jobs so <laughs> i don't know everyone out there who is looking for a new job Wait. i hope your persistence pays off yes 
We need to like. I feel like we've all been like in this lull of media consumption. I know. I need to. I need to watch some things. I've just been watching West Wing and playing Dark Souls because I'm a like. To be fair, we're still kind of at the tail end of the uh, studio dumping out all their crap cycle. Speaking of crap, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. I mean, yeah. So once again, before we leave, I would like to give a thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for helping us out uh, with sustaining our equipment needs and website needs and all of that jazz. Uh, so thank you once again to Man Devin, Ariel Alm, Brian Osborne, Jiying Fua, Kyle Thompson, Michael Smith, Jacob Verma, Aaron Crawford, Benjamin John Macy, Mike Williams, Avon McMaster, and Micah. We appreciate each and every one of you so much. And again, if you're donating $5, you're getting those episodes one, like three days in advance. So keep that in mind for people out there. (laughs) All right. Well, with that, make sure to join us next week where we will be reading and discussing chapter four of book two of the two towers of herbs and stewed rabbit. Mm. Or I I guess, I guess of of, of herbs. Um, I don't know how the professor would have said it, but I assume it would have been aspirated. So he w- he would have said herbs. herbs. Yep. Oh man, I told a joke. I told this great joke the other day. Hey guys, why 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 are Italian people in such good health? Be- because they have why. a high basal metabolic rate. Okay. So no done. no I. That's not even really it a is joke. It is. It's a pun. So anyway, my friend replied and he laughed and my friend is Italian slash British. I was like, yes, this is vindicated by an Italian person. I was like, wait a minute. But in British English, you would say basil, not basil. So it's not even a pun in British English. Get out. No one can see my face right now, but it is all crinkly like a pug. <laughs> Actually, I'm launching a, a new fantasy themed podcast, a corollary to this one, in which we talk about magical creatures. I call it gnome enclature. That's a good one. Get that's, out. That's a good one. I like that one. <laughs> I'm not actually launching that podcast. If you want me to, please email me. You need to save that one. You need to put that one under a bushel or something. All right. Well, thank We're you. We're all tired. We need to stop. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to Talking Tolkien, everybody. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. And we will see you next week. This has been the late night talking Tolkien. Yeah, we're recording super late. So if we all sound kind of baked, we're really just super sleepy. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We do our best to respond to each email, so please let us know about your thoughts, theories, and themes you'd like us to discuss in the show. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook and Twitter, and we love hearing from you. If you're not already a subscriber, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We would particularly appreciate it if we would give us a rating on iTunes, as it really helps us to show up in searches and reach a new audience. We also have a Patreon page where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help our podcast grow. Through your generous support, we've been able to purchase many new pieces of equipment, helping us bring you a better sounding, more professional podcast. Nothing makes us more excited than a new pledge. And we greatly appreciate all the support we've received so far. (laughs) 